Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Well, bless Jesus. Give Jesus a great praise here this morning. Come on, everybody. Yes. You can be seated if you want to. I'm going to stand during the message, but it's up to you. So good to see you here. It is really just a great honor and a privilege to be here with you again. Some of you are meeting for the first time. Some of you, we've been acquaintances for two decades or longer. As I, as I shared in uh, the prayer time on Friday morning here, uh, which was on 9-11, um, 19 years ago on 9-11, I was awakened by a phone call from the pastor of King's Chapel. I was at the Best Western Lucille down here on Lake Lucille, and had just preached the night before and was speaking that night. I spoke in the barn on the property, and it was standing room only on 9-11 that night. Um, quite interesting. 19 years ago, and here we are today. It's now like a worldwide threat. But I'm going to tell you something that hasn't changed in 19 years. And that's God and His Word. And it will never, ever, ever, ever change. I can just think, I can just imagine God sitting on the throne right now and looking around some of the angels says, This is no big deal. Stuff comes, stuff goes, but I'm always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. We had a great service in the first service today. What a presence of the Lord here. The worship team did such a great job. And I'm telling you, yeah, let the worship team and your pastors, I'm telling you, you are blessed with some of the greatest pastors in the world. I mean that. I've seen a lot of them, and I'm telling you, this is not a couple I'd rather hang out with than this couple right here and my favorite place here in Alaska. You know, my favorite place to preach used to be Texas. I actually oversee some churches in Texas as an overseer. And, uh, but a few years ago, my wife and I took her on the train to Denali, and we spent a few days up there. And there was a gift shop that had this hat, and I don't know why I didn't buy it. I mean, I, 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 I should have bought it because I wanted to wear it to Texas the next time I went, but I'm pr probably a good thing I didn't because on the front of the hat, it had an outline of the state of Alaska. And right in the middle of it, it had an outline of the state of Texas. I hope nobody in Texas is watching this. And it said this. Now, where, where actually is Texas in Alaska? It's probably a good thing I didn't buy that hat. It would have got me in some trouble. It sure would have. You know, I, I love to preach sermons. I, I do. It's my favorite thing to do in ministry. Not that I in necessarily like to hear myself talk, but just sharing the Word is my favorite thing to do. But today, I really don't have a sermon. I just have a message from the Lord. It's been stirring in my heart for about three weeks now. Every, just about every morning I wake up, it's on my mind. It has been, uh, I've been here a couple of weeks and uh, culminated with this weekend with you all. And So I just, I just want to unpack a word with you here this morning for a few minutes. I feel like I'm part of the church family here, vested since the very beginning of this church. Been coming up almost every year 
every year to be with you. And it's a great privilege. Thank you. Someone said, are you going to get to come back next year? I said, well, that depends how good I do this week. I have a saying, I'm only three bad sermons away from a transition. So enough of that. Let me begin with a story. Walter and Sevilla Martin were itinerant preachers that went for revivals, late 1800s, early 1900s. And they wrote a few uh, gospel songs for revival. Some are sung today. And uh, it was in Elmira, New York, that they met this couple. The only names we have are Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. And they developed a, a really close friendship with them and visited with them all, all often. And one time in visiting, Walter said to Mrs. Doolittle, said, how, how do you maintain such a joyful attitude? How, how are you such an inspiration to everyone that comes around and such a blessing to other people? Now, here's the basis of his question. Mrs. Doolittle had been bedridden for over 20 years. Her husband was crippled, could not walk, was in a wheelchair, and had to wheel himself to work. This was in 1905 to work every day. And yet they were a great inspiration to all who came around them. And he said, how, how can you do that? And she responded with this simple statement. She said, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. And in 1905, one of the songs of the ages was born. Why should I feel discouraged? Why? Should the shadows come, why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. If you know it, sing it. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. You know, there's some other verses of that song. Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. But listen to verse 3. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him. From care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know 
He watches me. Give the Lord praise right now if you believe that today. Father, we bless you. Let's sing it again. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Father, thank you for this time together this morning and your wonderful, sweet presence and the promise of your word right now that's just saturating every heart and every person here and those that are watching. And we bless you. Father, Holy Spirit, speak life. While I'm talking for the next few minutes, speak life to every individual, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, of course, that that song was taken from Scripture from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, 26, 27. It's a lot of Scripture, but I'm going to share it this morning, verses 25 through 34. Follow through with me if you would. That is why I tell you not to worry. I'm reading from the New Living Translation about everyday life. Everybody say not to worry. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't it more than food and your body more than clothing? Isn't life more than that? Verse 26, look at the birds. Everybody say, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Turn to somebody right now and say, you are more valuable than anything. Verse 27, can all your worries add one single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't they don't work. They don't make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Everybody say it's always a faith issue. Verse 31, so don't worry. Shout don't worry. Don't worry about the things saying what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all you need. And here's my second most favorite verse in the Bible, my life verse, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry. Shout, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow begins its own worries. Today's trouble's enough for today. You know, when I look at that scripture, I, I, I begin to see, I see everything, just little little snippets in that scripture. When you read the Bible, God never does say anything at random. Everything is there for a reason, every story, every word, everything that is there. And when I look at this scripture, first of all, I see that do not worry is a command, not a suggestion. Jesus is saying, you know, it would be better for if you didn't worry. You can if you want to, but don't worry. No, 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 no. He's making a command. He says, do not worry. In fact, three times in what I just read to you, he says, do not worry. The Greek word for do not worry there is translated simply to be anxious, have anxiety, to be troubled, to have cares. It's translated throughout the Bible as care, anxious, concerned, worrying. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your care, your worries, your fears, cast all your care on Him, for He cares for you. He takes care of you because we're not big enough to carry it. I see two commands in this verse. first one is do not worry. 
So why, why should we not worry? Well, let me share some quotes with you that I think uh, uh, un, un really drive home the point. First of all, worrying is worshiping the problem. When we invest our time in worrying, we're worshiping the problem. Here's another one. There isn't enough room in your mind for both worrying and faith. Choose wisely. Worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Worrying won't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. Don't worry. But then there's another command. Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, let me backtrack just a minute. Some of you are saying right now, well, that's easy for you to say, you're a preacher. You don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> you're so funny and clueless, but you're funny. I've learned that anytime God gives us a command or an assignment in his word, he will give us the grace and the ability to follow through with it. Anytime God says, don't do this, or God says, do this in the Word, and you're like, I can't, I can't. He always gives us the ability to accomplish what He's commanded us to do. Anytime you read something in the Word and you say, I can't do it, maybe you can't, and I can't in and of ourselves. Most of the things we can't. But with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit and relationship with Jesus, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The second command is... Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, this all points to priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, this is one of those scriptures with a command and a promise. Uh, your pastor read from Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that's, that's, that's a promise, but it also infers that if he's not your shepherd, you might want some. But this is a direct command with a direct promise. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. The promise comes after the commandment. We keep the commandment. Obedience to the commandment releases the promise into our life. Now, you see this repetitively throughout the Word of God. You see, do this and this will happen. Do this and this will happen. Many times we want to take the do this out and we just want this will happen in our lives. Now, we all are gifted in different ways. We have different talents and things. You know, some can sing, some can't. I just proved that. Uh, some, some can play instruments. Some, some can, can. We got all kinds of talents and abilities in life. You can design things. You can do, you can do I mean, you, you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, just so many talents that we all have. None of us have all the talents. But here's something that every one of us can do, and that is obey. Everybody can bring obedience to the table. Everybody can bring obedience to the table. And obedience always releases the blessings of God in our lives. You say, well, I can't, I can't pray like Pastor Daniel. I can't sing like, I can't do it. Can you be obedient? Seek first the kingdom of God and all, everybody say all, all these things will be added to you. It's a command with a promise. See, what you focus on will become clearer to you. I spent several hours this past few days focusing through a spotting scope, trying to make a particular animal get bigger and bigger. And every time I looked, I said, oh, Jesus, one more inch of antler. And just one, oh, gee, one, one more brow tine. One more brow tine on that moose, and I'm going for it. I'm going for it. But it never did. It never did. It didn't, didn't grow. So what you focus on becomes clearer to you. 
And the more you focus on God, the clearer God becomes to you, the clearer His Word becomes to you, the clearer His promises come to you. But when we focus on other things, the, the, the more it fades in our lives. See, what you pursue will become more valuable to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's a pursuit factor. And what you pursue will become more valuable to you, and what you value, you will invest in. We all invest in what we value. You value the husband, you, you value your relationship with your husband or wife, you will invest in that relationship. You value your children, you'll invest in your children. You value your business, and it's, it's okay to invest in different things in our life because we all have different value segments in our life. But if you value a relationship with God, you will invest in that relationship with God. This, this, past, this past week, I, I watched hundreds of vehicles go by down the road with, with big RVs pulling big trailers and trucks, one with like a low boy semi that had a semi pulling it and a pickup truck on it and four four-wheelers on it and wagons on it. And it's like, dude. And, and you've got $250,000, $300,000 worth of equipment and time invested for $500 worth of meat if you're lucky. I was not. I could buy the grocery store for what the rig cost. But it's not about that. Because when you have a revelation of the vision of what you want to do, it's all worth the investment, see? Some of you wives need to get under conviction right now. I said that in the first service. A lady came up to me and says, look, Pastor, you're in Alaska. We don't care what her husband's about to hunt with. I said, okay, would you call my wife and talk to her about that? We invest in what we value. The command is this, seek first. Jesus isn't making a subtle suggestion here. He's plainly telling us to seek first the kingdom. And he's giving you and I the key to successful, overcoming, devil-defeating, faith-believing, doubt-conquering, Holy Spirit-empowered life. That's it. You want to live an overcoming life? Seek him first in your life. Put him first. It'll work out. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Now, when I look through this scripture, I see three things Jesus comments on. He commented on what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. Now, some of you, if you've ever taken a psychology course, you know what I'm, you understand what I'm about to say. There was a psychologist who wrote a paper in 1943. His name was Abraham Maslow. And he came up with Maslow's hierarchical uh, pyramid of human needs. And there's no scientific basis for any of it, but it's pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. And at the bottom of the pyramid, the foundation was physiological needs. And Maslow maintained that the first needs that humans have is, is something, is food, water, warmth, and rest. Now, what did Jesus comment on in Matthew? He said, what you eat, food. What you drink, water. What you wear, warmth. What is Jesus saying here? He's talking about the foundational needs for our life. And, you know, the foundation, if you're building a building, the foundation is the key. Put your money in the foundation. And if the foundation is sure, everything else is going to be okay. I believe what Jesus is saying here, and he's bringing out these three things. That's the only, He didn't say, you know, don't be concerned about what kind of car you drive. He didn't say, now, don't be concerned about what kind of house you've got. 
He didn't say, don't be concerned about your job. He said, hey, say about what you eat and what you drink and what you wear. So what he's saying is, if I take care of the foundation, I'm going to take care of the rest. If, if the foundation is built on me, everything else, because he is the author and finisher of our faith. He just not starting and saying, do the best you can. No, he's going to be there all through life building with you. Now, there are two comparisons. It's interesting, two metaphors he brings out. He talks about birds and he talks about flowers. Uh, I like the word lilies, just like it. And that's in the New Living Translation, the lilies of the field, the flowers of the field. I begin to think about that, and birds are mobile. They fly around. They go wherever they want to go. Lilies are stationary. They're just right there. I mean, the wind might blow them a little bit this way and this way, but they're not walking anywhere. Birds look for their food. Lilies don't have to look for the food. they got roots in the ground. They're drawing it out of the ground. Birds... Birds are vocal. They're all chirping, chattering. Lilies don't. Flowers don't. They just smile all the time. They're just beautiful. I guess if you're beautiful, you don't have to make any noise. Birds reproduce through the fertilization of eggs and the hatching of live little birds. Lilies drop seeds to the ground that go in the ground and die and produce Another flower. So say, what does that matter, Pastor? Well, I think what God is saying is it doesn't matter who you are, if you're constantly moving or you're satisfied just staying in one place all the time. It doesn't matter if you're always chattering about something or you're quiet, the quiet type. It doesn't matter how you produce or increase in your life. God has you covered. God knows exactly what you need. It just, I think he's talking about personality types. It doesn't matter if you're this type of person or this type of person or this type of person. You're always flying around somewhere. You're just always right in the same place. God has you covered. He's got you covered. Now, I see one observation, two commands, three, three things he talked about, but one observation, verse 27, it's this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Now, the New Living Translation, I like it uses that word moment. Can it add a single moment to your life? As a young man, I was so busy trying to succeed in everything, in business and in church and different things. I missed a lot of moments. And the older I've gotten, the more value I place upon moments, moments with my wife, my wife Rose, my beautiful wife Rose, who I met in the first grade. Started dating at age 16, married at 18, because that's what you did where I grew up. And uh, now we've been coming up on... 47 years. Moments. I missed a lot of moments with her, but I try not to now. I've missed moments with my daughters, but, man, I try not to now. And now that I've got a bunch of grandkids, I don't want to miss a moment with them. And if they're coming over to the house, I don't care what's so stinking important outside. I just let it go, and I sit in the floor, and I have a moment with twin granddaughters that are three years old that are flipping and showing me their latest backpack mommy moment. 
or my two-year-old hunk of a chunk little grandson that could pick that chair up over his head. I mean, he's... Or my 14-year-old granddaughter, who's a young woman now, and my nine-year-old grandson, who was with me not too long ago, and I took him target shooting, and his first two shots at 100 yards were dead on bullseyes. Come on, somebody. His sister shot first, and she did a tight group, and she says, now top that, and he hits two bullseyes the first thing. She's like, okay, you win. Moments. Can worry at a moment? No, it can't. It's a rhetorical question. So don't invest your emotions, your intellect, your energy, and your time in worrying. Just live. Live. Choose to live. Choose to have life. But I have to wear a mask. Choose to have life. Don't let all of the distractions. There's always something going on in the world. There's always wars. There's always, yes, it's a little different today. It's a worldwide attack, but it's also a worldwide opportunity for the church of God to rise up and declare the word of the Lord because people are looking for life. They're looking for people who are living. Have life. Live life. Every moment. Pastor. What if I get sick and die? Are you a Christian? On Sunday afternoon, before I flew here on Monday, I drove three hours after I preached two times on Sunday morning. I drove three hours to Kentucky, and I did the funeral of my great aunt who was 98 years old and been 99 in December, Aunt Zadie. She was like a second grandmother to me. And she wanted me to do, she wanted me to do a funeral. Drove there three hours, did her funeral, drove three back, and then flew here the next day. I couldn't cry at the funeral. What is there to cry about? Dude, she's lived 98 years with a sound mind and a good body all those years up until the last week or two. She's in heaven with her husband and her son and her, and her brothers, my, my papaw. I mean, she's in heaven. What if I get COVID and die? I'm in heaven. You can't beat that. You can't. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go, but I've got a, two or three really good life insurance policies. And my wife would weep for, you know, a couple of days, but then she'd be cashing in and like, hey. She go buy her a new four-wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> See, we get so attached to the things that we worry about that do not matter as much in our lives that should be. What should matter is a home in heaven with him and living life every moment right now. And the key to that is be free from worry. Don't worry. There's a difference in worry and concern. Are you concerned about your lost loved ones? You should be. Are you concerned about the state of the world? You should be concerned. But being concerned and worrying is two different things. Being concerned is having a practical, intellectual understanding as much as possible of what's going on and having empathy for that and compassion for that. But worry is when it grips you and it's, it, it locks you up. 
I, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up in a second. It locks you up, and it keeps you from functioning in life that you should be able to function. I was in the Sam's parking lot the other day. My wife went in, got some stuff, came out, and there's this guy across from me there. Un, un, I think it was a guy. and Unpacking this stuff. It's 90 degrees outside. 90 de- it's afternoon, and it's cooled down. It's 90 degrees. He's got a hoodie on with a full mask. I'm talking about the only things were his eyes, and he had goggles over his eyes, and he had earmuffs over the hoodie that was up. I'm thinking, dude, you need to be set free. You are in bondage. You are, so, and I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe you got medical. If it's that bad, hire somebody to get your groceries, all right? 90 degrees of hoodie with earmuffs on. What's it going to do? Go through your ear? I don't get that. What is that? That's worry. And that's a picture of what the enemy wants to do. Let me tell you the threefold step of the enemy. He wants to isolate, insulate, and eliminate. Do not let him isolate you from your church family, from your friends. Don't let him isolate you from the Word of God and the promises of God or the presence of God. Never, 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 never never allow him to isolate you because it's the first step to elimination and effectiveness in life. Live. Live. Jesus says, do not worry. You see those flowers? You see those birds? And every time you walk outside and you see the birds... Say, thank you, Jesus. I am more valuable than them, and none of them are hungry right now. David said it this way. I was young, and now I'm older. I've never seen the righteous. The, the, the righteous. The, the, what, the, the righteous forsaken. Or a seed begging bread. What if, what if, what if? I don't even ask that question anymore. I'm just going to live in the moment that God has for me. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. When are we going to get our building done? When it's done. Live in the moment. Live. Too many people live. Too many people live in the when I lifetime. When I get this, I'll be happy. When I get this house, when I get this job, when I marry that person, when when the, when I when I when 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 I when I buy this, when I buy when I get this promotion, when I when I I, I lived that way in my twenties, the first ten years out of high school, and, and and every time I got that, it was empty, and I got you know why? Because I wasn't seeking God first, I was appeased, trying to appease Him rather than please Him, and it didn't work. Don't live in the when I lifestyle, live in the now moment life. Enjoy the moment right now. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your church family. Enjoy the presence of God. Don't worry. Now, there's some people here today because we have a tendency to kind of collect it. The Bible says, cast off every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you or besets you, depending on the translation weighs you down. I used to read that as one thing, get, get rid or cast off the weight and the sin. I read it as the sin and the sin, but there's a word there, and. It's a conjunction in English which connects two thoughts together. So God is talking about two different things. He's talking about sin, yes, but he says cast off every weight and the sin. 
So there's some things that are weights in our life that are not sins, but we still need to get rid of them. They're not sin, but they're weights. They're holding us back. You know, worry is a weight. And there's some people that you're kind of heavy today. Your backpack's loaded a little bit heavy today with some worry, and you need to get rid of it right now, and you're ready to. If that's you, if you've got, say, you know, Pastor, I, I have, I, I've, I've been caught up a little. I'm worried about my children. I'm worried, I'm worried about my, my finances. I'm worried about, about the world. I need to be concerned, but I want to get rid of the worry. I want you to stand up right now. Stand up right now. I'm going to pray over you. Stand up right now. And the first service is probably 60% of the people. I'm getting rid of the worry right now. Doesn't mean we're not concerned. Doesn't mean we're not aware of what's going on. Doesn't mean we don't weep and cry over the people. But we're not going to carry worry. Jesus, don't worry. Live. I've come that you might have life. Live. Live. Just begin to worship the Lord just for a moment here. Lord, we bless you and thank you for your presence. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We bless 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 you, Lord. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Those of you that are standing, now I'm going to pray over you in just a second, a moment. But right now, I want you to speak this, make this a declaration of faith right now. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning, I release worry from my life. I command it to go in Jesus' name. I determine right now to not worry. Holy Spirit, help me to not worry. Give me the grace, the ability to not worry. I cast my cares on you, Lord, for you care for me. You're big enough to handle it. I'm not. I release it to you in Jesus' name. From this moment forward, I will pray. I will weep. I will learn. But I will not worry in Jesus' name. Now I speak over my family right now. And I pray, Father, especially for those that may have been gripped in worry for an extensive period of time. It's like a stronghold in their life. And I pray for every tentacle of that to be released and broken off right now in Jesus' name. Come off, come out, be gone. Worry, the, the very spirit of worry that's trying to come on some people and families to be lifted, to be shifted, and to be gone in Jesus' name. I speak that over them now. Declare it in your wonderful name. We are free, 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 free to live, free to live, free to live, free to live in Jesus' name with no worry. Amen and amen. Give the Lord praise here this morning and thank him that you're free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, would everybody else just stand for a moment with me before I turn it to Pastor Daniel here in just a second? Would you just everybody stand just a moment? I want to ask a very important question. A very important question. Are you right with God? Now, I don't mean that to be a condemning statement. We've all, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen, fallen short of God's glory and His grace and His love. You know, we, we've all sinned and failed. But God has made a way for that to be taken care of. 
through Jesus. And if you're not right with God, do you want to be? I would assume you have some desire. You wouldn't be here today or you wouldn't be watching right now. See, God's not willing that any should be lost. He doesn't want anybody to live in a lost in this world or in eternity. And I've found that you're never more than one simple, sincere prayer of repentance away from the loving grace of God. That's as far you say, I'm a million miles away from God. Well, it may feel that way, but Jesus is right there. You're never more than one simple, sincere prayer of repentance. And I'd like to lead you in that prayer right now. Could I ask just so that we can all focus ourselves just on, on Jesus, would you just close your eyes right now in this building? Everybody just close their eyes right now. Just focus, you and God, you and God. If that's you, if you're standing here right now and said, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure I'm right with God, but I want to be. You know, the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. You can know. You can know. Say, I'm not sure, but I want to know. I want to know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to take one step of faith, and I'm going to lead you in prayer right where you're standing. Say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in that prayer by simply slipping your hand up and putting it back down right now all over this building. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. I see that in the back there too. God bless you. God bless you. All right, now we're going to pray. And I want to ask you to pray loud enough to hear yourself. Make your confession out loud to the Lord. But we're going to do it with you. So family, I want you to pray this with me, whether you raise your hand or not. You may be standing beside someone who did, so you're going to encourage them by praying with them. Are you ready? Let's pray it together. So dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for reaching out to me. And today, Jesus, I'm reaching back. I ask you now, come into my heart and life, forgive me of my sins, and change my life forever. I give my life to you, Jesus. All my hopes and dreams, all my hurts and pains, I lay them at the cross, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I boldly say, with my new faith, I am forgiven, born again, saved, and I'll never, never, never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give those folks a standing ovation right now. Now, I was about to turn it to pastor, but the Holy Spirit dropped a word in my heart for someone here. There's at least one, but there could be several. Usually when God shows me one, there'll be several. So if this, and I'm not going to call the one out because I don't want to eliminate anybody else. This is for you. There are people here that you've been bound in worrying about the mistakes of the past. You're not really worried about today too much, but you, 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 you live in worrying about past decisions you should have made, could have made, would have made, didn't make, whatever it is, things you've done. And you are, you, you are like, in, 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 it's almost like a bondage of, of, of being, living in the past. Well, this will only take a couple of minutes, so thank you for your patience. I was there a few decades ago in my life. And it wasn't because I lived in great sin. It's because I just didn't obey God. I didn't, I didn't know. I just 
was doing my thing. When I really got the call of God into ministry, I became depressed. <laughs> See, God dealt with me as a teenager, but there's no preachers in my family, and I'm the and, and my pastor wasn't a real mentor. Great preacher, but not a mentor. I had nobody to help me, guide me, and that's my excuse. I just didn't think I could do it, so I didn't. And 10 years later, when God brought me around to the point where I knew that I knew that I knew this is what he wanted me to do, I had all kinds of business stuff going on. I, I was in debt, and I was 27 years old. I was so old. That's how I felt. I thought, oh, dear God, I'm 27 years old. I'm too old to start something new. <laughs> That's how I felt. I got depressed. I mean depressed. But one day, here's what the Lord showed me, and I'm talking to you right now, those of you that are being held by your past. He took me to the story of Jesus when he fed the 5,000. And at the very end, he sent his 12 disciples out to gather up the fragments. Each of them got a basket full of fragments. And they brought them to Jesus. Now, two things it represents. Number one, it was the harvest on the seed that little boy sowed in his lunch. I believe all those disciples followed that little boy home and took to his mama 12 baskets of fish and bread. That's a biblical principle, given and it shall be given. But that's, that's not what God showed me that day. He showed me that those broken fragments represented years of my life where I hadn't been doing what God wanted me to do. But if I would gather them up and I would bring them to Jesus, Jesus would take those broken fragments and he would make something out of them. And he would put them in my future as wisdom and grace and understanding and guidance and, and help me to help other people. If I would bring that to him, and it set me free. And I still bring broken fragments to him. But if you'll just take in your mind's eye, you just gather up those broken fragments, all the things, woulda, coulda, shoulda, wish I had gone back, I wish I had, well, you didn't, and I didn't, and we can't. So like they say, go to Lowe's, get a ladder, and get over it. <laughs> and start today, right now. Lay them at the feet of Jesus and leave them there and walk away. Father, today, right now, I pray for the individuals right now that you are targeting their heart and their mind. They, 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 they prayed a minute ago, but it's still like a heaviness on them, God. A heaviness of the past, the past. But today, today, that's over. That's done. It's gone. Today, they're living forward, not backwards. They're living in their destiny, not in behind from this moment forward. And you will redeem the years that the king or worm and the locust destroyed. You are our kinsman redeemer. You will redeem. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe that, shout yes. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.